Hi friends and welcome to Live Life Well, the podcast. Our mission is to empower millennials to thrive and not just survive so that they can live a life full of purpose, joy and delight. My name is Amy and I'll be sharing the life-giving practices and lessons I've learned on this journey of failing forward. We'll be talking about how to balance your career, business and passions while maintaining your physical, mental and spiritual health. I'm dedicated to sharing from a place of authenticity and I'm going to give you VIP access to my conversations with wise mentors and guests. My hope is that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have something you can apply to your life so that you can live it well. I hope this also just feels like we're sitting across from each other in a cafe over a nice cup of coffee or your favorite beverage and having a chat like old friends. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. Hi friends from LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or wherever you first heard about Live Life Well, the podcast. Last week, I mentioned that we were hitting the pause button on our series on the six dimensions of wellness to share a two-part conversation around racism and reconciliation as a response to recent events in the US and addressing the issues raised during National Reconciliation Week here in Australia. I hope you were able to practice the four L's that we talked about in the last episode. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, make sure you go back and listen to episode five. This week, though, I invite you into a conversation I had with my friends Jen Wright and Sophie Tawaii. A bit of a background to this is that at the height of the online outrage for the murder of George Floyd, I watched a video of Sophie's that she shared on her Instagram page about how to amplify love during this difficult season and time in history, which prompted me to reach out to her and start a very real and vulnerable conversation around how we are processing current events. So it made me realize that this was a conversation that more of us needed to be having. And I invited Sophie to join me as a guest here on the podcast so that we could continue the conversation, which led her to invite her friend, Jen, who is now my friend. And Jen is someone who's worked and lived in Indigenous communities for over 10 years. What I had initially thought was going to be about changing policy and what books we're reading to educate ourselves turned into a conversation that emphasised empathy and active listening because these are the tools that we need if we are going to address the conscious and unconscious biases and prejudices that we have here in our own lives and also in the societies and communities that we live in as well. We cover things such as growing up biracial or not white, um, how that's affected the choices that we've made in life and also the opportunities potentially that we might have missed out on due to the inherent biases in our communities, lived stories of racism that we've experienced, but also acknowledging our own biases and prejudices as well. It's an open and unfiltered conversation, and we even hear a peep from Jen's, one of Jen's children towards the end of the episode. 
And as an aside, I think that this topic of empathy and active listening is actually very timely because at the time of releasing this podcast episode, we are actually in the midst or just at the start of Refugee Week 2020, which celebrates the contributions of refugees and encourages a better understanding between communities. If you've heard my origin story, you would know that my parents were actually part of a large number of refugees who came to Australia from Vietnam in the 1970s. Hearing their challenges of settling into a new country and culture and how they overcame those challenges has helped me understand them better and other people as well. So while we specifically cover what it means to have empathy and practice active listening, particularly as it relates to the Aboriginal members of our community. These tools are things that we can use to understand people and um, grow in our knowledge and love and appreciation for other communities around us and that are different from our own. So without further ado, I do hope that you will enjoy this episode. Hi everyone, thank you so much for joining Live Life Well, the podcast for this very special episode. Last episode, we talked around the four L's of, in terms of a response to Black Lives Matter. And then in this episode, I have some amazing women on this podcast that I just wanted to bring to you so that we can just continue the conversation and continue to share our stories and think about ways in which we can move forward from recent events. So before we kind of get into that, I would love you to love you to welcome Sophie to the podcast. Um, so I actually met Sophie through um, the Own Your Hustle movement, which seems such a long time ago now, but yeah, just um, Sophie is just an amazing, multi-talented, creative entrepreneur, and she's done um, some virtual assistant work for me as well, which has been lovely. She's a huge um, advocate for soul-centered, I think, living, if I'm saying, would that be good? <laughs> yep, okay, she's nodding. Um, and then she also <laughs> runs her own creative agency as well. So um, she can share more about that in a sec. And then we've also got Jen, who is a mother of seven, I just can't believe that, <laughs> like how, how you manage a life like that. But um, she was also um, running um, a business called Let Your Light In. Is that right? Let Light In? Yes. Let light in. yes. Yeah. Okay, sorry. And um, she has, um, yeah, been doing many, many things, but in a season of waiting at the moment to see what's next. But she's also writing a book. So, you know. When you say all those things, you know that she's a real go-getter. And yeah, it's just such a privilege to have you both on the podcast. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you guys want to say anything <laughs> before we start. Did you want to add anything, so before? About um, no, I think that that wraps me up in a nutshell for, you know, what how we have known each other. And, um, and yeah, I think like we were saying before we went on to record that we're all in a season of change and movement. And I think that that is actually just quite significant to what's happening in the world, that mm. if there is a season change happening globally for many people in many different areas as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. 
Jen, how do you think before we start? Yeah, no, no, no. Um, totally agree with what Sophie's saying. So, yeah, no, thanks for having me here mm. on the podcast. Awesome. All right. So, as we had previously said, like we wanted to discuss um, the topic around like racism, racism and also reconciliation, which I think are very like um, key kind of themes that are coming out of most recent events. So I thought maybe if I could start with you, Jen, perhaps to share a little bit about your background um, and yeah, just like maybe family background, history in terms of, um, yeah, whether you've experienced racism in Australia. Um, yeah, maybe start there. Yeah, go. for sure. Um, so I'm a New Zealand born uh, Samoan, Pacific Islander. And um, yeah, I uh, came to Australia maybe 20 years ago now, um, but I was born and raised in New Zealand. Um, and I do have a very strong um, Pacific Island community as well as uh, family. And um, I've also worked in Indigenous communities and lived in Indigenous communities around Australia for about 10 years um, on the road. So um, the Indigenous community, community here is very, very dear to my heart. Um, you know, especially when you're adopted into the mob, you know, you feel as though you're part of that as well. But um, it's funny that you asked me if I have encountered it. And to be honest, for the most part, I haven't really um, growing up. And, then, and I don't know if that's because um, how I see people personally, I, you know, the way I see people is I love to see the best in people. So sometimes when things are happening to me, I don't really take notice of it a lot. Like until people might point it out to me or say something really culturally inappropriate, then I might go, Oh yeah, you know, but for the most part, I wasn't really aware of it. And I don't know if that's got a lot to, around to do with my faith as well, but in saying that, just a couple of weeks ago in Dramana, I went to mm. a takeaway shop and um, the Australian man refused to serve me and um, said, you know, I first he said, asked my children to wait outside. Um, so, you know, I got them all to wait outside and then I went inside and then um, we kind of stood there for a really good two, three minutes kind of staring at each other and he was in the back of the kitchen and I was in the front of the counter and it was like this um, it was like this quiet um, acknowledgement of you know like just I was looking at him like waiting for him to come and serve me and he was looking at me like you know it was just this I thing happening you know and I was just like okay you're gonna come and serve me so I finally had to say you're gonna come and serve me and he said actually I have the right to refuse service to anybody I want and wow. I was just kind of like are you for real? Like, and then I kind of thought, am I just being, you know, again, you know, going into maybe I'm just making this up, you know, or something. And then my teenage boy was outside and he saw this and he got really angry and he was just like, he's just been racist, mum, you know, and he called out from outside. And then a, a young white couple came in and he came out and served them and he served them while I was standing there and he refused to serve me. And, um, yeah, that was kind of a very in-your-face encounter, you know, that that's just happened to me recently. And I don't know if that was his response with everything that was happening around him as well. And, you know, just, yeah, it was just very strange. Like, that's never happened to me before. And so I kind of have always said to my children to always um, 
you know, because they were staring, you know, they were witnessing this. And I, you know, I had then the choice, how am I going to retaliate to this guy? You know, I think maybe if it was just me, there might've been a few, you know, <laughs> different <laughs> exchanges, but because they were watching, I wanted to, you know, um, you know, this moment to be one of integrity as well. And one of, you know, love. And I just turned around and said, look, I'll pray for you. <laughs> you know, I kind of walked out the door, but you know, um, mm. and saying that even though, and when working and living in indigenous communities, it is there every single day. Um, and, you know, I was living in, we mostly worked with a lot of different educational institutions and the way the curriculum was set up, um, just the way they did things and ran day-to-day -day businesses was there was never a consideration of the Aboriginal culture. There was never, um, you know, there were never a conversation around, it was always, we are here to help you. We are here so that you can be better people, you know? And I'm like, really you know that's not why i'm here <laughs> you know i'm here to learn i'm here to receive them i want to learn more about their culture so we were always in and out of court you know advocating for these young people and there was a lot there is a lot of racist racism in the justice system mm. um for these indigenous kids and they also carry a lot of um generational trauma as well you know mm. from even though it doesn't directly affect them, it does, you know, like what happened to grandma, great grandma, great grandfather, you know, going up, it still affects them six, seven generations down. Mm. They still carry so much of that. And so there's a lot, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, yep. there's a lot to talk about and discuss and just that it is in our very backyard and it is very prevalent mm. um, and nothing is being done about it. Um, yeah, is really, really devastating. And it's heartbreaking because this is their land. Um, this is their home, you know? And yep. yeah, so just everything, like the whole system, the whole education system, everything is really set up for them to fail. Mm. Um, and so they're really, from the moment they are born, you know, it's almost like they feel like, well, I'm a failure anyway. What's the point of trying? Um, and then it's just this continual cycle of they get up in the morning, um, well, in the outback communities anyway, or the bush communities where we were in, there was just, they got up about 11 o'clock and then they would drink and then they'll drink, drink, drink for a couple of hours and then they'll go get something to eat and then stay up really late. And, you know, it was just kind of this continual and that's all they kind of did, um, really disempowered and not because that's really what they want, but it is the culture that they're living in, um, mm. unfortunately. And so... Yeah, it's a, yeah, a continual vicious cycle and mm, yeah, really heartbreaking. Yeah. 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 And I think like when you see it kind of right in your face and not just yeah. the issue in Dramana, it kind of just, yeah. Um, yeah. it's upsetting, um, yeah. but it also is one that forces you to think about what am I going to do about this as well, I think. So, yeah, very much so. Mm, yeah. So I yeah. think there's so much stuff I still want to like talk about, but I'll just yeah. <laughs> quickly flick to sofa a bit and see like, I guess like in the midst of all this and potentially even with what Jen has shared, like how have you kind of faced the most recent events and then also maybe like your own experience of racism, if any, in Australia. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I am a, 
deeply empathetic person. So the events have been quite dense for me and unpacking it all. And I've attended um, some workshops from America online to learn more and be a part of it. And it's really eye-opening and it's really interesting to see the system at play. And like Jen is saying, that the system is set up with rules that are that you have to kind of stick with to be perfect so you can't go mm. off the grain. But that's not really, that's why it's set up for failure because mm. we're not all like mm. that. And, mm. and to be that way is to really want to be a good person so you don't actually end up being truthful or authentic because you're trying to stick with the system. Mm. So um, for me, so my father's from Samoa and my mum is European descendant. So growing up biracial was quite hard. Mm. And I always said that I would only ever date white guys. <laughs> and I think, I, and I think recently I've just started to think, why was that? Mm. And it's because, because the system is created in such a way that if you are less coloured, you'll be more successful. Mm. Yeah. So I think in my mind, if I dated white guys, it wasn't intentional, but I, I'm looking back and picking, seeing what was happening there for me that was almost a chance for me to be seen as more successful as well. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's really so true. Yeah. yeah. And how so like, true. <laughs> our background can like, and our human, um, I guess, family experience can affect like those life decisions that we make. Um, just as a mm. side point, I probably had the reverse kind of thing, <laughs> not reverse, <laughs> but like I, knew my parents would find it really challenging if I, they brought home a Caucasian Australian um, <laughs> boy. And that was purely because, uh, partly because of language. But then having said that, my husband doesn't speak Cantonese. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but also just culturally, like sometimes like there's some cultural aspects that um, we do in our minds, like just build this us and them kind of, situation yeah. and um mm. whether conscious or not and mm. um yeah there's just there's a lot of unpacking like and yeah. it's great that you started thinking about obviously like why why did I actually think like this um yeah yeah it's funny you say that so because just continuing on from there a little bit like it went as far as um even for myself that was the same too like mm -hmm. if I marry a um white man you know that would make me more highly esteemed in society as well or even the way I speak like I get a lot of people that say to me or even growing up in high school like you're very smart for a um for an islander and I'm like what the hell is that supposed to mean or mm. oh you must have white in you or you must mm. have um oh you speak so well or oh, I wasn't expecting an islander mm. or pacific islander to show up you know and so <laughs> I think it's those little um 
you know, that, that again, like I said to you, like, I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Um, but then I also became quite proud of like, oh, okay. So I speak yeah. well, or I'm smart or I'm, yeah. you know, but just this comparison to, um, you know, Sophie must've got a, a lot because obviously her mum is European descent and she would have said, well, I am half white, you know, whatever, you know, but I think just being a full blooded um, Islander, just that being said to me was something I used to be proud of, but now I'm not proud of anymore because I actually know what the real connotation behind that is, you know, is really, it's really common. Like, okay, (laughs) you know, like what's that supposed to be? Like, you know, um, and I, I would imagine as well with Asians as well, like, you know, like there's this meme that used to go around where, um, this, you know, white guy was talking to an Asian girl saying, where do you come from? And she's like, have you seen that one? She's like, Chicago, wherever. Yeah. Yeah, but where did you come from? I was born, you know, so it's like that, like that, that um, video, like people are so like, you know, what do you mean? How can you speak well if you're, you know, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't think I've seen the specific <laughs> meme, but that has literally happened to me <laughs> and, <laughs> and on multiple occasions, on multiple occasions. And I used to get really mad. I used to be like, what are you saying? Cause like I grew up, I was born in Australia. Um, yeah. I remember going to school at well, you know, going to pre-prep or kinder, like, and I actually didn't know any English. So um, I grew up um, with my, my grandma was looking after me. And so I only spoke Cantonese. So I distinctly remember as a child having to learn how to say, good morning, Mrs. So-and-so. Like, I just didn't know how to do that. And so um, I think sometimes that means you do have a a chip on your shoulder sometimes. You're like, Mm. I'm going to prove them wrong. Um, and I, so, you know, doing well in school and then, but still like, you'd still get those comments of like, where, oh, where, where are you from? And I'm like, Montana in, (laughs) (laughs) um, but like, I think as I've grown up, like I don't respond with anger as much anymore Mm. because like, I've just realized like the reason why people are asking this question is potentially and it's not to put them down, but like, they just don't know, like there's an ignorance yeah. there in our society, in parts of our society. Um, and it, it can be white. It can be whoever it is, like is making that comment. Um, and so I think it's that level of like compassion as well for people who may not see the world in the way that you see it. Um, and I think that's the level of like where we're coming from of like, we need to listen, you know, to the mm. stories of others. Mm. Um, we need to learn and we need to, to love as well, which is what we, um, what I talked about in the last episode. But um, I think in terms of the indigenous community though, Jen, if I can kind of go back there, um, because that's kind of your, you're the most well-versed potentially in (laughs) in the group of us. Um, Just in terms of like understanding or like maybe for people who don't, have the same background as you like what would you suggest in terms of like how we can learn more and or like what would we actually be able to do um to be better informed mm. about the issues of indigenous australians yeah i um i know that like what sophie attended recently there are a lot of cultural um 
um, programs that are now available as well, like cultural, what, what do they call them these days? You know, just cultural competency sessions that can be attended a lot around Australia. But um, beyond that, you know, beyond strategies and all that kind of stuff, just um, what really worked for me because I guess um, the lens I was looking through as well, you know, towards Indigenous and Aboriginal people was like, poor them, you know, like, you know, poor, poor, they're so, um, they need help or they need saving, you know, and I think one advice that we got was um, don't think to go in there to try and change them. What I learnt from Aboriginal people is that they are the most, what's the word? Um, maybe, Sophie, you could help me with this word. Like, they are deeply intuitive in a way that they see right through you. Like, there's, it's, it's almost like the superpower they have. Like, it's um, the observance. Like, they can see right through you. They know how genuine you are. And they will call you out on your, you know, like just be ready for the level of honesty that they have. They don't hold back. There's no filter. So I think just really being honest with who you are, not going in there or trying to save them because they don't need saving that way. You know what I mean? Like they're not some kind of broken um, culture. They're not, you know, they just, I guess that's perception as well. Mm. So I think, just really just being genuine and honest and because they pick up when you're not, you know, they pick up mm -hmm. when you're there for whatever reason you're there to save them or help them. Um, I would just, that would be probably the biggest thing I'll say is just be honest, be who you are. Um, be, yeah, just um, go in with that kind of lens, that attitude of, um, I'm just here to learn off you, you know. I want to know what you what you know. I want to learn off you. And they genuinely want to share more of who they are, more of their culture with you because they know you're being really transparent. And that's all they ask, really, is they have this big thing about genuinity because they have huge trust issues, you know. Like, that's they don't really know who to trust because they have so many people, workers, um, you know, that come in and out of their lives, you know, because everyone goes here and then realises how hard the work is because they're trying to work on a people thinking they've got to fix it, but mm. they don't, you know, they really don't. And so, yeah, not the people, they don't need to be fixed that way. And so I guess that does go for all human nature, you know, all humans. But in particular, I learned this lesson from them, from Indigenous people was, um, yeah, just be human, you know, just be real, be who you are, don't try to fix them, don't try to change them, and they will genuinely love you to bits, and it will just be this, um, just this open, um, you know, relationship of just back and forth, you know, you don't have to try so hard, you know, and I would see a lot of, you know, workers and stuff just trying really hard to connect with them and try to get on their page and and they would also really use that against you too. You know, they're very smart. Like they, they go, they know that what you're trying to do is um, you're trying to suck up to them because you want to, you know, whatever. And they can be really cheeky too. And so they'll get you to do stuff for them. Like, you know, go and, get, go and buy me this or go and do this for me because they use that to their advantage as well. So they're really cheeky. They're really smart. They know what they're doing. Um, 
but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I would say. There's no magic formula or um, strategy other than just be honest, be who you are. And they know that and they will welcome you and, um, and really connect that, that really closes the cultural bridge and gap. um, Yeah. From my experience that I've had. Very cool. Thanks. Yeah, that's really yeah. That's lived experience. That yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't have any um <laughs> no, no, no. any uh, technical terms for that <laughs> no. other than um yeah. And uh, so you know because it was funny. Like people say, how did you last that long? You know, in that space. And I go, well, I just wasn't trying to change nobody. You know, it's just mm. just there just to, to love, love. people. Yeah, yeah just trying us. to love people, and that's really the key. And um, yeah, so very cool. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm. To love others, I think, is yeah. always a good place to start. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And how about you, Steph? Oops, oh, why did I call you just Steph? <laughs> so, oh my gosh, I need some brain juice. Ah, uh, so um, it's Friday afternoon. It's Friday afternoon when we're recording this. Um, I, I resonate with what um, Jen is saying about that the, the the person or the people themselves don't actually need to be fixed and when we're talking about black people or aboriginal people i feel like or even polynesians we talk about them mm. as a group being one person but we're all individual people mm. so mm. um i think that's really an important thing to look at uh, each individual human rather than as a huge group of people because that's where we lose like that's where we start thinking oh because all polynesians are lazy or Mm. all black people are violent but Mm. it's not all it is Mm. just um individual people and i found that for so that it was a lived experience for me for a job that i applied for in new zealand where my friend was working there and she Mm. said we we had graduated the same time she had applied and she knew that I would fit the role and because my surname is uh, Polynesian it's Tawai and you read it you know it's not an English person (laughs) and um, so I applied I had the credentials and she watched it go through the office and heard it being talked about and then uh, 18 year old white girl applied and she got it because Mm. in the meeting they said the manager in the meeting where my friend was said we don't want to employ the polynesians and the maldives because they're lazy wow yeah wow yeah so for a little bit of time i was applying for jobs with my mum's maiden name and hope wow yeah Did you notice a difference mm. for your like for for you in terms of how people responded to your applications or anything because of you changing the name at all? I or... can't remember. Oh, well, I never got a job with my mum's maiden name. <laughs> okay, would have had to change it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't quite remember what job I ended up going into after that, but I just remember asking my mum, "Would I use it?" Mm. And for this reason. Mm. because of that event and and then it was a very long time ago I can't quite remember what happened from it yeah but and talking about um Jen talking about building up the person uh with the Aboriginal community 
one of my other jobs I worked in was um, building life skills for kids on the benefit. Do you, is that what you call it here on the government benefit? Um, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so most of them are Polynesian and Māori in New Zealand. And it is like a joke that it's a societal mm. joke that all Polynesians and Māoris are on the benefit. And um, so all of these young ones are in there and it's my job to train them, teach them, get them interview skills, get them interviews and get them into jobs and then make sure they stay in the job for six months. And from teaching these kids, it was really just about that they just needed someone to say, I believe in you. Mm. It was all, mm. they just needed that confidence boost. It wasn't about what nationality they were. So they, mm. they just didn't have that support or that love or that compassion because demographically they live in a poor area or mm. they didn't finish school. Um, so yeah, I think that kind of resonated with what Jen was saying for that group of people. Yeah, mm, mm, yeah, it's so true. And um, like just when you were saying that about the young people with skills, I went to a um, parent-teacher interview last year with my son, and um, the one of the teachers or the dean said to me, "I've got some really great news for you, um, Mrs. Wright. I've got some great." And I said, "Okay, what is it?" You know. He said, your son has the potential to go to university. I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, is that the big news? You know, it was like, he was like, isn't that great? Like, you know, that he has, he really has what it takes to go to university. He was so excited for me. And I'm thinking, I don't know what the big deal is, you know? Mm. I didn't know whether to be offended or not because it was, mm. I don't know what his, you know, yeah. what he was thinking, but it was like, you know, like he, and, and to me it was like, why, well, why wouldn't he? Like to me, it was nothing. Like to me, it was like, yeah, of course he does. You know, mm. I, yeah. I, I know, <laughs> I know that, but you know, it was kind of like, so yeah, just these, um, just I guess misperceptions as well around those types of narratives. Mm. Um, yeah, and yeah. in society that we deal with on the daily, you know, mm. it's very real. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Um, so, kind of like tying everything together, um, what are some kind of practical ways that you've seen? I think you've you mentioned love, obviously, but like, how how does love in action look like? What does that look like for you? Um, or maybe what? Are some of the things that you've kind of read or seen that you think you know these are the things I want to start to implement so that we can love you know our brothers and sisters of all different nationalities in a mm. way that um, kind of goes towards like either systemic change um, or just more on the relational level as well um, mm. yeah whichever one yeah. wants to start <laughs> so good <laughs> Uh, okay, I would um, say firstly, it is this active listening, just like we're doing. And like active listening is not to be rushing off doing all the research and reading about history and all of this stuff and trying to do all the good things straight away because I don't want to be seen as racist. So mm. to, um, it, to be anti-racist is a lifelong learning. 
Yeah. And, and, and it's something you have to do every single day forever. Yeah. Forever and ever and ever. And, and why is that, do you think? Is it because, well, I don't want to put words in, why do you think it has to be a lifelong journey as opposed to a, I'm going to sit down and tick the box so that I'm not a racist? Because, <laughs> because we live in a society that was built hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So we can't, why we expect to change in just this one week because the globe is aware of it it's a rising awareness that mm. this is actually mm. a problem. And because we've been brought up in this society, we have unconscious biases mm. and prejudice mm. yep. to other people. So, if, um, so that's why it will take a lifetime and my lifetime and your lifetime and your lifetime. It's going to take each of us that long to be conscious of it, to help raise other people to that level of consciousness as well and awareness. Um, so I think the first thing is active listening, really just listen and st don't rush to do all the research and read the books and everything. Just, mm. just be, just be quiet, just listen, uh, see how people are feeling and then do that uh, reflection and understanding and really embody what somebody is saying to you. Um, so then that comes to just a real deep empathy of really go into that person's story and understand how that must have felt for them. And even if I'm the one who said something that hurt somebody in some way, because just because I'm, I do have color doesn't mean that I haven't done or said things mm. that were, had mm. uh, prejudice. So and that's why it includes every single person. And even within, within a race, even within Polynesians, because I am, that even me, I'm not, I'm not brown enough or I'm not white enough. <laughs> but even within the own culture, there is an awareness that needs to grow as well. So mm. empathy and active listening and embodying to understand. Mm. Mm, love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Totally agree, Soph. Um, I wouldn't have much to add to that mm -hmm. other than um, have the conversations. We need to have open, um, unfiltered, raw conversations, you know, and, and be uncomfortable with it and be okay with it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, like Soph was saying, we're all on this learning journey and we can't know unless we actually conversate, you know, mm -hmm. and this is where is my biggest thing is let's just talk. Let's talk about it. Let's, um, you know, like recently with Erin Molin, like pronouncing an NRL player's name wrong and then laughing about it and making a mockery and joke of it, you know, like mm. instead of just saying, hey, you know, how do you say your name? Or how do I pronounce that properly? You know, and just being uncomfortable with, I don't know, you know, um, how to pronounce it. It's just little things like that. Just being aware um, but having the, the conversations um, and having honest and open ones. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the only thing I would add, add to what Soph said. Yeah. yeah, and conversations is how you're going to build empathy and trust because if you can't build that by being quiet and not being a part of it and being in there. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that, um, yeah, so many good points around... Yeah, just listening. Like, I think that seems to be 
the overarching thing is that we yeah. can't solve, you know, the problem of racism overnight. And like, we're, we can't do it in a bubble either of like, I'm just going to read everything or yeah. listen to all the podcasts that we just have to, yeah, just to listen to other people's stories. Um, yeah. And then I think often in that listening time, like it's almost like once you tap into the empathy, um, the empathy side of things, then you'll know what needs to get done almost mm. afterwards. Cause I think we can be such action. Like we want to do like, I need to go to that protest or, you know, I need to go sign, like do all the things, but it's just like, maybe just wait and stop and, and also acknowledge, like you said, acknowledge that we um, have our own prejudices. We have, mm. um, uh, you know, we have our own biases and often sometimes like the things we say or we do are racist and it's hard mm. to admit that it's hard yeah. to, cause it's almost like yeah. you have, you, you see this shame. I was listening recently yeah. to Brene Brown and she was just talking about like why people have such a huge reaction to, you know, even the whole black lives matter thing, like as in, you know, the words, like there's been such, uproar about even just using the words it's because they're like well that what does that mean then like I there must be something is there something wrong with how I've been living and people don't want to acknowledge that perhaps you know we are just in a system that is inherently racist to yeah. certain mm. other yeah. organ, uh, other different races yeah. um, and we have a part to play in that and you know yeah. whether it was like you said unconscious or conscious you know um yeah which I'll just add yeah. to that that um, so then because we are you know in a we mean well and we you know I'm talking about us three and and we don't we're not racist people but that's but we still have our prejudices and our biases when and we might catch ourselves saying something and and so the other part of listening and being actively listening is not to be guilty for that mm, um, and I think mm. there's a lot of guilt going around um of how people are feeling and they feel they can't say this and they can't say that mm. and so active listening if you're going to feel guilty then you're not actually listening because you're yeah. um, now listening to yourself like oh but what about me no no no, no. you've just missed that person's story <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. just let the guilt go um even though it's natural feel it and then and move on yeah. And that's why racism is a heart issue. You know, um, you can't really outlaw that. Like we can't bring in a law to say, okay, everybody don't be racist now. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's deeper than that. Well, I'm just saying, you know, like yeah, yeah. it's, it, it is a, it is a heart issue. And um, yeah, I love that. Well, it's what Sophie was just saying. Um, mm. But yeah, we could just keep talking. Hey? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, Thanks, thank you David. so much. Yeah, for both of your time, and it's just been lovely just to have those o this open conversation and yeah, um, just recognizing that we all don't have the answers necessarily, but that we're on this yeah. journey of learning. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. this is what this podcast is all about. So thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. Are we happy? I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah Thanks, Amy. Me. Thank you very much. All right.
Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It was my joy and delight to bring it to you. And I do hope that you are excited as I am about this journey of discovering what it means to live life well. I would love to hear your feedback on the episode and what you're looking forward to. So please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to this podcast. I would also love to extend an invitation to join our Instagram community where you can get some behind the scenes of how we record this podcast, have further opportunities to engage in the content we share and also meet like-minded individuals on their quest to live life well. You can find and follow us on Instagram with the handle live life well underscore the podcast and you can find what's happening with my small business over on Instagram as well with the handle art.by.ames. Thanks again for joining and see you in the next episode. Thank you.